table in front of me because God said to do that. He said that when you eat or you drink, and whatever you do, that you should do this to glorify God. And we live very independently of God as if we don't need him until we're in a situation, as I said, where we are very desperate and don't know where to go but to God. On Monday night's men's Bible study, I shared a text that is relevant and pertinent to this day. Found in the Gospel of Matthew, and it, it talks about these two blind men that followed Jesus, needing healing, as, as we do. Some of us in this room desperately need healing, healing from something, healing from hurt, healing from cancer, healing from whatever. Maybe it's some kind, not physical, but it's more spiritual than it is physical. And James actually talks about what we're supposed to do. He instructs us very clearly in his book about what should take place. Is any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer that's offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. And then he says this. This is very important. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Because the, the prayer of a righteous man or a righteous woman, a righteous person is powerful and effective. There are three types of people in the room that I find in the text. Clearly, everyone in here falls into one of these three categories. There are, as, as he says, those that are in trouble or troubled people. He says next, there are those that are happy. And they're the ones that are singing songs of prayer, praise to God. You see this on a regular basis. There's someone around you that's singing all the time. Or they always seem to be happy. And you'll say to yourself, why is that person always happy? Why do they always seem like they don't have a care in the world? And then there's the third person, someone who is literally sick. This isn't the first person. The first person is troubled. The second person is happy. And the third person is sick. You fall into one of those categories this morning. You're either troubled by something that is weighing you down and you don't know what to do with it. It could be your finances. It could be your marriage. It could be your kids. It could be anything. But you are troubled by something. Maybe the spirit of unforgiveness has overtaken you. But there's something that's bothering you and it's, it's evident to people who are around you. They could tell. They will say to you, are you okay? Is there something wrong? Is there something bothering you? And then sometimes, like a church secretary that we had in our church years ago, she always seemed to rise above her situation and was always happy. And I would say that to her. She was an elderly lady. I'd always say it when I came in in the morning. You always seem happy, Marcy. Because I guess I am. Her husband wasn't a Christian. Her kids are far from God. And yet she always seemed happy. The two categories I want to focus on for a moment here this morning are specifically those that are suffering because of something and those that are sick, suffering and sick. Suffering actually means in the original language to suffer hardship or endure affliction. Of the four times that this verb 
is used in the New Testament are always used with reference to hardship that comes because of being a Christian. You say, well, that eliminates me right off the bat. I, I don't have my hardship because I'm a Christian. It's just, I just seem to have hardship in life, period. When it talks about sick people, it means that they're weak and unhealthy. There is some physical affliction that is taken over with these people. They are weak, even now, as they sit in the chair there. There's something that is bothering you because it's physical in nature, and it seems to be there all the time. The word is actually used 36 times in the New Testament. It actually refers to a physical sickness. In the epistles, at least eight times it's used to refer not to physical sickness, but spiritual sickness. There are people that are sick because of spiritual issues. You know it. You're not telling anyone, but you know it. And I was sharing with the praise band earlier. It's kind of interesting that in our culture, in West Michigan culture, it is not a popular thing to tell people that you are struggling with some addictive behavior or that you're involved in this kind of behavior because we live in a very legalistic, pharisaical, condemning culture. So it is, it is the mode of our culture to cover what is going on in your life. Have you ever noticed you go up to some people to talk and you go, how are you doing today? And they look at you like, duh. Are you having a good day? I'm not talking to you. You're the happy ones. Stay out of this. I'm serious. There's some people you meet and you go, are you having struggles today? No. And you think to yourself, I'm out of here. Cannot relate whatsoever. James could actually relate. He said, you're either troubled, happy, or sick. It would be interesting, I think, a lot like the chili cook-off we had last night, where 12 different people submitted their chili and then we got to vote on which chili was the best. And you go around and taste them and you evaluate. I honestly did not realize that chili could taste so different from my chili. You know, you make your chili and that's the way. I, I thought to myself, wow. Now, Denhoff called his, I don't know, steak, steak something. There's actually steak in there. That happens only when you get a half a beef or something. And you have steak in your freezer, because I don't. He had steak chili. And then there was Mama's chili by, by Irene Vanderbee, which she said her mom taught her to make this recipe to stretch because their family was big. And so they put potatoes in it. It was really good. It was like hash. And you just go around the room. Um, Katie's chili tasted smoky. My wife would have said, you let it stick. No, hers was supposed to taste smoky. But here's, you know, t um, checking out chili is like checking out people this morning. You meet people and you look at their countenance and you say to yourself, there's, there's something troubling them. There's something wrong. They don't look happy. They don't seem happy. And so you know what troubled people do? 
Troubled people always have to run. Don't, they don't often realize that they're troubled because they're there. They're troubled inside. They're never, never content to settle down. And then there are those that are sick. And this is what the gospel says. Let him pray. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. We're not very good at confessing our sins to one another. Because if I confess my sins to you, you're going to hold it against me. If I confess my sins to you, you're most likely not going to pray for me. You're going to look at me in a little less esteeming way. Well, the pastor shouldn't sin. I can't believe how many people jump from one church to the next because they don't like something about somebody in the church that they don't think is the way they ought to be. Usually the pastor. But James actually said this. You are not going to get healed as long as you are not willing to confess to one another. Some of you are already bored. Matthew was trying to get people to understand the gospel message that Jesus is the Messiah. You believe Jesus is the Messiah? So you get to my actual text in Matthew that I mentioned from Monday night. And it says this in chapters 8 and 9, he talks about Jesus the Messiah. It says, and as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him crying out and saying, have mercy on us, son of David. And after he had come into the house, the blind men came up to him and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. And then he touched their eyes saying, be it done to you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened and Jesus sternly warned them saying, see here, let no one hear about this. But they went out and spread the news about him in all the land. And as they were going out, behold, a dumb man, demon-possessed, was brought to him. And after the demon was cast out, the dumb man spoke. And the multitudes marveled, saying, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees were saying, he casts out demons by the ruler of demons. There are three type of people in that text from Monday night. I'm not preaching the same message. I just didn't get to finish everything I wanted to say. Three types of people in that text. There are the desperate, there are the thrill seekers, and there are the caustic. I want you to think about this this morning. If you had to be categorized in one of these three categories, am I desperate or am I some thrill seeker that's never satisfied so I'm always looking for something bigger and better and different and, and always have to move on because I'm never satisfied or am I the... Um, caustic person who always sees what's wrong with this picture. And you and I both know this, that the last category is pretty much a lot of our whole culture. This is what's wrong with this instead of this is what's good about this, right? It's that caustic spirit that listens to me waiting for me to say the wrong thing when you don't even know where I'm going. You're the caustic person that looks negative. I want to touch on these real quickly before we celebrate together at the Lord's Supper. There are desperate people. There's one thing for sure that they had to do was when they went to Jesus, 
the very first thing they did was to ask him for mercy. Two blind guys. I don't even know what it would be like to be blind. I've often thought of that because I, I am blind in one eye but have really good vision in the other eye. When I was a kid, I did not address the issue of my lazy eye, and it became lazier and lazier, and it never got fixed. And so I can see a big blur out there right now, but I can't define anything. When you're in a situation where you can't see anything, you need help. Stay with me. You need help because you can't see, and so you're actually praying and waiting for Jesus to do something because there is no way that this is going to work without something supernatural happening. You're desperate. You're really desperate. Jesus had just raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, and he was going home to Capernaum when these two blind guys came up behind him, and they sensed he was Remember, they couldn't see him. They sensed him passing. Something inside of them said, that's the guy that is known for healing people. The text does not say why they were blind. And there were a lot of causes of blindness in the ancient world, such as diseases, blowing sand, blinding sun, accidents. But regardless of the cause, these men are without sight. Jesus walks by, and together they start following him, hoping that he'll help. Here's the deal. We don't want to tell anybody that we're sick, that we're going blind, that we have cancer, that these things are going on in our life. First of all, because we don't think anybody's genuinely going to care. And secondly, sometimes in our culture, we have a group of people out there that's ready to say, you must be sick because of sin. And so these guys were so desirous and desperate of being healed. But the first thing they cry out is, have mercy on us, son of David. And the word is similar to our English word. It actually means croak. They were croaking so loud when Jesus went by, it was, please, 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 please stop and heal us. It means to cry out with a loud voice. They were not about to let him pass. They were the ones that were desperate enough to not care what everybody else thought. They wanted to be healed. Hmm? They wanted to be healed. Of course, when I'm studying this week, any week, God always gives you opportunities to experience the text. And so one of our men this week got in a lot of trouble, involved in a lot of sin stuff, and it just caught him, and he didn't know where to turn. Ended up later staying at my house, and I was actually afraid to have him there, but I care about him. He was desperate at the very bottom. In fact, one of his friends said, does he even have a bottom? Because you know God is loving enough to make us go all the way to the bottom. He loves us so much to put us in a scenario where we are desperate and can't make it without him. You know, a rock church is committed to loving people no matter what. 
no matter what, we will continue to love because we all need somebody at times. I was very scared. I was shaking, having the person in my home didn't know what would happen. And some of us can relate because some of us have lived on the other side of the world. I'm, I want to, demons get out and everyone listen. You know that you are a troubled person because you can't even pay attention while we're in the service. Yet to, your mind is roaming already. You're looking around. You won't look up at me because demons never like to look in the face of what God is trying to say. You've lived in this condition so long, you've gotten pregnant out of wedlock, you're living with someone right now that you don't, you're not even married to. Your whole family tree is messed up and you're passing it to the next generation. Oh yes, you're passing it right on. We don't even realize how demonic this stuff is. And so instead of really dealing with it, saying, we're going to stop this dead in its tracks today. No more immorality. No more pornography. No more backbiting bitterness. No more physical issues passing to our children. You have to be desperate for that to change. Oh, we just love to not tell anybody and we'll just fix this ourselves. I could just fix this. I could fix this physical situation. I could fix this. I just keep going to doctors until I find out. And you're not realizing it's God who is trying to get your attention. Jesus is walking by, and you're just too arrogant to cry out for mercy. And so you get condemned to live that way. Troubled. Troubled. Hmm. Have you ever noticed patterns in families? The mother decides she's going to get hang out and shack up with somebody, and the next thing you know, she has a baby out of wedlock, and then that baby ends up shacking up with somebody, and then they have a baby out of wedlock. Have you ever noticed how loose people are about their morals nowadays when it comes to living with someone rather than marrying them because it's not financially to your advantage to get married? Let me just say this, and you can hate me for saying it because the devil hates this. You are passing it to your children. Do you agree? Yes, yes, let me hear it. You are passing it to your children. Yes, you are. Now all of a sudden you're getting tense. You're thinking, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to talk about this. I'm going to plug my ears because I was immoral. I, I, no, he says this. They got to the situation, so the situation was so desperate. Some of you are looking at me now and you know that God is after you. They got to a situation that was so desperate, they had no choice but to look for Jesus. You didn't come in here on your own today. You came in because God brought you. Yes or no? We had a new couple sitting in the back that was actually part of the chili cook-off. They came last Sunday morning, came last Sunday night when we had the teen thing. And you don't even have teenagers, do you? Came last Sunday night for the teen thing. He came Monday night to men's Bible study. She came to ladies' Bible study in the morning. And at night, I'd say that's a lot in one week. That sounds like you're Baptist. And she actually went to my wife. The Swindles invited them to come to our church. She actually went to my wife Sunday night after ladies' Bible study and said, I need to be saved and got saved. 
Yeah. Listen, listen. Listen, you, you think it's me saying this in the flesh. I'm not saying this in the flesh. I'm saying it out of kindness to you. You are bitter. Yes, you are bitter. Your bitterness is blaming everyone else but yourself. You have a choice. Reach out to Jesus. Don't get mad at me when I tell you the truth. I want to set you free. I want to give you the right to get free this morning. Give it up. It's never too late to turn to Jesus. Notice they didn't even ask for healing. They asked for mercy. Because we need mercy when we're desperate, don't we? Are you still with me? Some of you refuse to admit that what has happened in your life was for you. What is happening in your life, God, please speak to these people today because they won't stick around otherwise. What's happening in your life is because God actually loves you. He was headed home after healing people. He was tired. He was going home to Capernaum. These two blind guys who couldn't even see found a way to his house and wouldn't stop croaking. See, it's never going to stop. God loves you so much, he's going to be relentless. It is not going to stop until you see your need for mercy. I'm, I'm doing good, Pastor. I'm here today, I'm doing good. No, you're not. You're here today because God brought you by his design, seeking that you would get rid of that and get healed. Are you with me? You don't even think you need to be healed. You know what, he, what we need healing for is apathy and indifference in our, our spiritual lives. Apathy and indifference that makes us just the good old Jenison Hudsonville, Granville people, the good old boys, the good clean people that God says, you, you are nauseous to me because you're so lukewarm. You're nauseous to me. After last Sunday's service, a few guys came to me and said, you can plan on me being at men's Bible study from now on because God spoke to them. Ladies, you want to put a stop to that generational sin? Go to Jesus. I didn't finish talking about it Monday night, so I have to this morning real quick. In Matthew, the reasons why the two blind men were crying out to Jesus for mercy was because neither they or anyone had been able to help them gain what they so desperately needed. So this, Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. It can't happen. You cannot get through what it is you're trying to go through until you acknowledge there's a problem. You got to acknowledge it. God, I need mercy. I'm bitter because of something happened in my life. God, it seems like I just have had so many things. I, I just can't handle one more thing. And he says, stop talking about it and talk to me about it. Because I can heal you. Do you believe that it can be done? Yes? yes? Over here. You can't believe it can be done if you don't see that you have a problem. The first thing that must happen is you have to acknowledge it. And Matthew 9, 29 says... Jesus' response, be it done to you according to your faith. Which is simple. This is what he wants to do. Be it done according to your faith. Whew. Be it done according to your faith. I got to have faith. I got to believe. I got to believe. I got to believe. Do you believe that God would want you to be different? Yes or no? Yes. 
God would want me to be different. God, what, it is, what is it that you want to change me? And it says, after opening their eyes, whoo, oh, Jesus, they opened their eyes. Literally already this morning, not making this up, I have watched body language and people in the room that do not normally look up at me. You can always tell when somebody has a bitterness issue, they will not look at you. They do not want to make contact. The man that was in my house all night was very, very drunk, coming off of cocaine, drunk, could barely drive, blah, 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 blah. We're sitting downstairs. Sitting downstairs, I, I, I had to say to him, look in my eyes. Look in my eyes. The devil wants you, and he's not going to get you. Get out, Satan. And he actually got up and pointed his finger in my face. I've got demons. You don't know anything about demons. I have demons. Yes, I do. I know a lot about demons, and I don't even need to talk to them. I'm not talking to you. I just kept my mouth silent. Just let you say whatever you want to say, but you are not the victor in this. Jesus is as long as he wants Jesus. Let it be done according to your faith. You talk about your illness. You talk about your problems all the time. And guess who's listening? Come on. Guess who's listening? Yes, is God listening? Yes. But the enemy's always listening also. Don't say it out loud. Don't ever say the words, I'm never going to be healed. Don't ever say the words, my marriage is never going to change. Don't say those words because he's listening. He's a thief. He's a murderer and a liar. Shut him out. And they always act the same way, demons do. They always act the same way. Extremely caustic and negative about spiritual things. And I'm not saying any of this this morning to be hyper-emotional. I'm saying it because it literally scares me. I had to sit on my hands. I was so scared. I was shaking, shaking like crazy because whenever you encounter demonic spirits controlling someone, they don't want to let go. They want to keep you. Oh, we blow it off. It's, and I talked to the person's mom last night for an hour late. And she said, well, it's, it's mental illness. It's bipolar. No, it's Satan. Said, no, but, but he's just mentally ill. And I said, no, it's demons. No, 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 it's bipolar. I said, it's demons. Every time they talk back to you, and it's, this is what I see a lot of these days is no respect and always having to express what you think it is. Yeah. It's not this. It's not this. Well, you have it wrong, Pastor. This is what it means. And, and I see the rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Rebellion, open rebellion, and disrespect for people in authority is a sin of witchcraft. If there's anything that is going to win that person over, it's commanding the evil spirits to get out. There are a bunch of people in this room, a lot who have demons following you. You've had them so long, you don't even know how to distinguish them. You have no problem with being immoral, with thinking immoral, with talking immoral. You have no problem with dropping 
F-bombs as this person did over and over. I just feel it's defiled, it's dirty, it's rotten, it's filthy. Stop it. I'm not saying this is the case in every situation. But often sickness is because you won't listen. You're not listening. You're misdiagnosing what the real problem is. It's sin. As soon as I say that, the, fair, the real Pharisees will speak up and say, you have no right to call that sin. That's the Pharisees that would say that. I have the right to call it sin if it is sin. Jesus came right back with this. He said, see to it that no one knows about this. That seems like insane to me. You, you, I, got, I, I can see after all these years of being blind, and you're going to tell me not to tell anybody that I got my sight? Are you kidding me? Don't tell me that. I'm going to run out and say, I can see. I can see. I can see clearly now that the rain is gone. You know what I'm saying? This is so stupid. No wonder people don't want to come here. You're just so stupid. You are not going to sit there if God's really doing something. The only reason he told him not to tell anyone is because his time had not come to get crucified, and he knew about the people out there that were going to spread. He must be the Messiah. He must be the Messiah. Is Jesus the Messiah? Is he? How could you be? You're not, I'm not going to. I don't say things out loud. Get over yourself. Is he the Messiah? The devil hears that. He doesn't know what to do. He goes running. I couldn't go to sleep because I was afraid to have this person in my house who I think is an absolutely wonderful person. I love him like crazy. And I'll pray him out of this and I'll help him out of this because he wants to be healed. All you have to do is want to be healed. I'm looking at people who have their head down because they're saying to themselves, well, I got a different scenario. I would like to be married. I, I have this scenario. I would like to be rich. I have this scenario. This thing just came into our life, and i just like to have victory over this. And God is saying, be it according to your faith. Are you with me? Be it according to your faith. Never give up. Never give up. Never give in. Pray until there's a breakthrough. Right? Then there are all, the, all those thrill seekers in the, in the church. It's verse 32 of chapter 9. And as they were going out, behold, a dumb man, demon-possessed, was brought to him. I find it interesting that people were amazed at Jesus healing a demon-possessed man. It's almost like they expected Jesus only to heal good people. So Jesus has only been back in Capernaum for a short period of time after traveling to the, to the area where the Gadarenes, remember he got out of, off the Sea of Galilee and went to where these two demonic-filled guys were in the caves and he threw out the demons and they ran in the pigs and Jesus is coming off of all this stuff and after he'd gotten out of the boat, he was walking home and he was approached by Jairus concerning his very sick daughter. He did a whole bunch of stuff because everywhere he went, there were thrill-seekers. I can't help but understand this. God knows everybody in here. God only knows, doesn't he? 
God only knows, everybody in here, some of you continue to go through the same pattern because you never learn. You'll be okay for a while, then the cycle will repeat itself. And you'll be right back in another crisis and another crisis and another crisis and another crisis because you have become addicted to crisis situations. Yes. You're always in a crisis. You actually like the adrenaline that pumps because of a crisis instead of getting the peace that passes all understanding. Mm -hmm. There's a peace that passes all understanding. When you get Jesus and he takes over in your life and you decide, I'm sick of living like that, he makes you free and your feet start dancing. You get happy feet. You do, you get happy feet. Well, I, I'll make you a promise. Girls that have, have sold themselves out to be sexually active before they got married, you're making the biggest mistake you could ever make. You will not find the right kind of husband by being sexually involved with them. Same thing applies to men. Have you ever noticed how culture is self-centered now? Everybody, in Mark Batterson's book, he says, I've come to the conclusion that with the millennials, stay tuned now, this will make you mad. They don't just want it all. They want it all right now. You are making a mistake if you climb to the top of the ladder when you're in your 20s and there's no place to go. Cut back, simplify things, and give it away to poor people. I wish I knew that years ago. Instead of trying to climb the ladder and be what your parents were after 35 years of marriage, you ought to cut back, simplify life, and find peace because money will divide your home. Oh, yeah, that's a big amen one, isn't it? We're always seeking after another thrill. So you have the same people talking to you all the time because there's another crisis in their life. That's going to make a lot of people in here upset with me. No, it isn't. It's because we just, we just, I don't know, we just seem to have these things in our life all the time. It's because you become addicted to things. Things. There's always a crisis. It's, it's in this context that a mute man is brought to Jesus just as the formerly blind men are leaving this mute man. It says that after the demon was cast out, the dumb man spoke and the multitudes marveled, saying nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. Have you ever heard people say, that's the best chili I've ever eaten? First of all, it insults everybody else that made chili for you. And secondly, it's most likely not the best chili you've ever eaten. You just forgot, right? You with me? You just forgot how good that chili was last summer. You've already forgotten. That's the best experience I've ever had. You look the best you've ever looked, and you're thinking to yourself, are you going blind? Are you the dumb man that needs to be healed? Seriously. Because everything always has to top the other thing. You're never satisfied in your job because it has to be better than what you think it is right now. Oh, God, you're... I guarantee you there are people mad in here by now. If I haven't purposely made people mad, please don't, you know. It's always got to be a bigger thing and a better thing. And you're, after a while, you've used up your pastor so much. You've used all his possible creativity in your life, and you're ready to throw him out. In fact, you're looking for reasons to destroy me. It's pretty sad because you're never satisfied. How are you different from the guy that was in my house, full of demons, 
and wanting to blame everybody else. I just sit and listen to him. I think I rebuke you inside in the name of Jesus. And the next day when he's writing to me, he's more or less laying it at my feet that somehow I'm to blame. And I just said to him, so you're saying that I'm to blame? And for a moment, a tiny sense of reasonableness came to him. And he said, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for saying that. Okay, here's where it gets tight. Don't be mad at me. I only want to help you. I want to help you. Am I right? Zach, you're right here as my witness. Casey, where are you? Right there. He came here to apologize, didn't he? He came over to the church. To, Vince, you were there. We were sitting in the lobby at that point talking about something else. And he came over to the church to ask my forgiveness. And he was sincere, was he not? That's the beginning. Please, 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 please. Ask for mercy. That's not so hard. Ask for mercy. Don't you need mercy? I need mercy every day. Do you need mercy? I need mercy every day. You, you won't have to look very far to find fault with me. I have tons of them. But I just happen to be the guy that's supposed to stand up here and tell all of us what the Scripture's actually teaching. Have mercy, God, on us. Then there are all these thrill seekers. You want to get better for, for some selfish reason. Why not get better and change for the glory of God and shout it from the mountaintops, Right? How about a big round of applause for God? He's worthy. Yeah, they said that nothing like this was ever seen in Israel. Oh, come on. Jesus had been healing people everywhere he went. They'd already seen it. You've already seen it. You already know what God's doing. You are in the middle of a cycle which repeats itself every so often. I always say this in my counseling. There's a pendulum for everyone. The pendulum is over here, and it swings slow because God is merciful, and you get over here and you're doing the same thing or experiencing the same problems all over again at some point. When it gets really bad, the pendulum is constantly swinging. You're constantly in this mode of one day you're up, the next day you're down, this day you're right with God, the next day you're not, this day you're mad, the next day you're happy, and sometimes that actually involves God sending something to you that he wants to use to show you you need to change. You need to change. The thrill seekers, the people that are always wanting God to fix something, and the last people are the blasphemers. The third response to Jesus' ministry is by those who are openly against him. Matthew 9, 34 says, he casts out demons by the ruler of demons. There are two types of people in the auditorium in this respect. There are people who, who genuinely are listening to me and can accept it and take it and want to change. And there are those who are caustic. They're caustic about everything. I'm being judged because, oh, we've heard this and we've heard that. And you do this and you do that. Just know this about me. It's all true. I confess it. So now, can you move on from that? Can you, can you, stubborn, you stubborn people move on from that and understand this? It is about you. 
It is, isn't it? Thank you, people that actually give me some body language. Susan Sherman's in the light for me. So she's always going like this, and I'm like, thank you, sister. Doesn't matter if it hurts, does it, Susan? Doesn't matter. If God is talking to me, it doesn't matter if it hurts. Sometimes it's going to hurt, isn't it? Sometimes it's going to hurt. Sometimes you're going to go through things that literally hurt. And God is saying, I want to be there. I want to be there. Don't be caustic. Be happy. Yeah. Don't you have things to thank God for today? Everybody that does say, say yeah. God, uh, and people like Ryan, oh my gosh, he's a kook. According to people. I, nobody's told me that. I just, I'm assuming that. You got her. Hopefully that'll stay that way. It's going to, isn't it? You got baby. Just trust me on this one. Having babies is contagious. There are more coming. Just wait and see. It's contagious. It is contagious. So the people that know me the best are pretty much sitting in front of me. The praise band knows all my idiosyncrasies. And you know that I don't think I'm perfect. I think I need to listen to the message. I believe that God was speaking me through this to me through this message very clearly. If you don't want to pass it to your children, cry out for the mercy of God. If you don't want something to transpire, Cry out for the mercy of God. You don't think the devil's real? Do you think the devil's real? Because that's Jared. You used to do subway commercials? No, that's Jared. First time here last week. I don't know where he's at spiritually. I know his wife got saved. And my wife actually said to me, well, if Jared isn't saved, pray that he'll get saved today. You know what the devil will do? He'll make babies scream. He'll make just, uh, you say, oh, pastor, that's insulting. No, I've just watched it through the years. You're all, y'all, y'all think, y'all, y'all think that you can hang out with the devil and not be affected. Y'all think that you can go back to your old friends. You can have just one or two beers or one or two or three beers and you won't get drunk. And your drinking habit, by the way, will never lead to any other drugs. Yes, it will. And your drugs will never lead you to death. Yes, they will. And your marriage is good enough to where it will be sustained no matter what. And what you don't understand is I sat and talked to the mother last night for an hour, and she said, I had it in my husband, and that's why I divorced him, and I had to deal with it with my son because he's got the same thing got to stop it. All you people that are positive, you can mess with the devil and it won't hurt you. That's a lie. He will kill us. He will kill us. Do you agree, Randy? Just want to make sure you're awake. So what do I do? 
I have my choice. I either cry out for mercy, God have mercy on me, or I'm already to a state where I do cry out for mercy and I'm happy because of it. It's a day-by-day thing, is it not? Or I just turn caustic about everything. You're being mean now. I guarantee you there are people sitting in front of me that have this attitude. You should not be saying anything about anybody. Blah, blah, blah. Tough rocks. I am fighting against the devil, and you're either with me or against me because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything I can in my power as a pastor to shepherd and care for those people all the way back to God. That's what's supposed to happen. Is it not? I, I, leave, I posed this question to you before I walk down here to the table in a few moments. Who is Jesus, and what is your response to him? Who is Jesus, and what is your response to him today? You have to decide. Is Jesus the healer? Is Jesus truly the son of God? Is he all-powerful? Jesus is the healer. You can't come to Jesus and want him to heal you, to change you, if you don't even see that you have a need. You're done with that. I'm done with that. I'm done with that thing. I'm not looking back. There is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. I'm done with that. You cannot come to this table and be safe otherwise. There's a danger in coming to the table this morning with sin in your heart. I didn't make that up. I'll read it in a moment. It's a danger coming here with known sin in your heart. There is this amazing assurance found in the scripture that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can do it right now. Don't close your eyes. Pray with me. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. You don't have to pray it out loud. Thank you. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that any sin that I have in my life, I would genuinely lay it at your feet and I confess it and I want you to bless me. I want to see your mercy in my life. I want to change. I want to be a different person for the kingdom of God. And you watch things unfold. Marriages will get back together. Kids will come home after being astray. You will find that you enjoy your job instead of being negative about it. You will find that things begin to change and God blesses you like crazy. It all starts with asking for mercy and we ask right now in Jesus' name for that. We have a few more things to sing about this morning. So be patient, okay? Oh, my soul. 